Thank you, Terry and Sharon. Turn your Bibles again, please, to Matthew chapter 28. I hope you have a Bible with you. We'll be turning to several scriptures together today, so please have your Bible open and ready. In 1980, the church called me to be their pastor. At that time, we were what was called a Southern Baptist church, and we gave to missions through what was called the cooperative program. In 1986, because of the liberalism within the convention, our church voted to pull out of the convention, and we've become an independent Baptist church. At that time, we had to change our missions giving, missions program. At that time, we began to do what we called a missions conference. It usually consisted like a Wednesday through Sunday. We have a different missionary come each night during that time and present their work. We did that for several years, but we found out so many of our church people could not come on weekday nights. Therefore, they did not meet or uh, hear our missionaries, and our mission giving was quite low. And so what I did, I changed it from a three-day program to a full-month program, what we call Missions Month. And we have a different missionary come each Sunday, and they're here on Sunday, and everybody's here. And so I've been doing that several years. Probably about 25 years we've been doing a Missions Month. And so uh, I, I begin to think, uh, as a pastor, when I prepare messages during this month, what can I say that people have not heard? And many of you have been in this church many, many years, and probably I can't say anything you have not heard before on missions. So instead of calling the message a new truth to learn, I want to call it an important reminder. An important reminder, because what I'm going to share with you today, many of you probably heard. We're going to remind you what Jesus said about missions, what the Apostle Paul said about missions. So I hope you have your Bibles. You can look with me and see what the Bible says about mission. Beginning with Jesus, we're going to see, first of all, God's command. God's command here in Matthew 28. This is what is called the Great Commission, probably the most popular text in the Bible on missions. And it begins with, in verse 18, what I call the highest authority, the highest authority. Look what Jesus said in verse 18, Matthew 28, in verse 18. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. The word power means authority. Basically, Jesus said he's the highest authority in both heaven and earth. He's not the highest authority on the earth. He's not the highest authority in heaven. He's the highest authority in the universe. So the highest authority in the universe is speaking to us here about this issue of missions. The highest authority. Let it be. Now look at the greatest command. The greatest command. We see in verse 19 and verse 20. This is what is called the Great Commission. And the Great Commission, someone said, based upon God's command, the Great Commission is not the Great Suggestion. God is not suggesting or advising the church to do something about missions. He's commanding us. So the highest authority in the universe is now commanding God's people. Look what he says in verse 19, please. Matthew 28, 19. What's the first word? Go. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. This great commission is mentioned in what is called the Synoptic Gospels and also the book of Acts. The Synoptic Gospels is Matthew, 
Mark and Luke, but also Acts. So hold your finger right here. I want you to see, first of all, I'm going to share with you Mark chapter 16. You don't need to turn there. Most of you know this one. I'm going to turn to someone you're probably not familiar with. Mark 16, 15, it says, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. So again, Mark's account is a little different, but he says, Go ye where? Into all the world. It means everywhere, not just land of lakes, not just Florida, not just America, into all the world, and what? Preach, that means proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ, how that Christ died, was buried, and rose again, all the world, and to preach to what? Not a select few, not a certain number, but it says every creature, it means the whole world. So the Great Commission is God commanding us, the highest authority, is commanding you and I to go in all the world and preach the gospel. Now go with me, keep your finger in Matthew, go with me now to Luke, please. Look at Luke's account of the Great Commission. Luke 24, page 1483. And for those of you using a church Bible, I'll try to call the page numbers when we turn to another scripture. Luke 24, please, verse 46. Here is Luke's account of what we call the Great Commission. We saw Matthew and Mark, now Luke, the third of the Synoptic Gospels. In verse 46, and Jesus Jesus speaking here, and said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. Verse 47. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among what? All nations beginning Jerusalem. So the disciples were in Jerusalem. He said, I want you to preach repentance and forgiveness of sins through Christ Jesus, beginning right here where you're at, and then eventually go to all nations. The word nations means ethnos. It means all races, all mankind, all humanity. So the Great Commission is for you and I as Christians to go and preach the gospel to all the world all humanity. Now keep your finger again in Matthew. Now go to Acts chapter 1, page 1525. Here is another account of the Great Commission, Acts chapter 1. When you find that, look up here, please. Acts chapter 1. My father, many times as a boy, when he uh, he worked for the telephone company. Generally, he worked Monday through Friday. Occasionally, he had to have been on call. He had to work on Saturdays. Now, Saturdays was always usually a work day around the house, working in the yard, doing things, and he'd give my brother and I chores. But some days when he had to work, before he left, the most important thing he wanted to remember was the last thing he said. He would say something, then leave, because he did not want us to forget. What we have here is the last thing Jesus said before he went to heaven. In fact, verse 9, you read that, talking about he ascended to heaven, talking about the ascension. So what was the last thing Jesus said? What was the most important thing he wanted you and I to remember before he went back to heaven? I'm glad you asked. Look in verse 8. But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be what? Witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and all Judea, and in Samaria, and eventually what? The uttermost part of the earth. It is said at that time, in the book of Acts, the apostles reached the whole known world for Christ. Now, that is not true today. There's so many nations never heard the name of Christ, let alone the gospel. 
But the Bible says, the Bible says, you shall receive power, the Holy Ghost. When you were saved, the Holy Spirit indwelt you. Your body's God's temple. You have the power. And now that you got the power, God says, you shall be witnesses. I mean, share the gospel with the unsaved. At that time, it began in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost part of the world. That'd be like beginning Land of Lakes, Florida, United States, and ultimately the whole world. So the Great Commission is to reach the world for Christ. Now go back now, if you would, to Matthew, please. So what was the highest authority commanded us to do? You already saw that, but verse 19, Matthew 28, 19, he says, go ye therefore. The word therefore goes back to verse 18, because the highest authority of all the universe has commanded you to go. Therefore, go. We saw that in Mark 16, 15. Go ye into all the world, preach the gospel. What are we to do? Notice here in, in the Great Commission, the Great Commission has three full commands. Three things that we should do as God's people to fulfill the Great Commission. First of all, number one, to evangelize. To evangelize. It says verse 19, Go ye therefore and teach all nations. The word teach literally means to disciple, make disciples. But discipleship begins with evangelism, leading a person to Christ. So the first thing we should do is to lead, tell someone how to go to heaven, how to have eternal life, and have them, encourage them to pray to receive Christ as Savior. That's the first part. It says, who? All nations. What? The gospel. <clears throat> so the command is to evangelize. The field is the world. Number two, the second thing that the Great Commission as part of, to evangelize, number two, to baptize, to baptize. Now, please listen. As we say so often in First Baptist Church, baptism does not save you. It has no part in salvation. But if you're saved, you ought to be baptized. It is the first act of obedience of a new Christian. Many people are baptized as babies, infants in certain churches. That's a church tradition, but it has no foundation in the Bible. The Bible always says you first believe, then you're baptized. Of course, babies cannot believe. It's faith, then baptism. So he tells us to go to win people to Christ and then what? Baptize them. It says there in verse 19, the middle part, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. If you read the book of Acts, they went through the world preaching the gospel. In fact, Acts 2.41 and they that gladly received the word were baptized. So we are to win people to Christ, evangelize, baptize, and number three, to make disciples, to encourage these new believers to follow Christ. In the latter part of verse, in fact, verse 20, I'm sorry, verse 20, it says, teaching them, who's the them? Those you led to Christ, those you baptized, teaching them, it says, to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. So the threefold part of the Great Commission, win people to Christ, those that trust Christ, baptize in them, and then begin to teach them now to follow and serve the Lord. I think of a water program. Win boys and girls for Christ and what? Train them to serve them. The Great Commission. And so that's the Great Commission. So basically, God's command is the, the highest authority, the greatest command, and now the latter part of verse 20, we have the enabling promise. 
the enabling promise. Look in the latter part of verse 20 there of Matthew. He says, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Someone said behind every command of God is the enablement of God. Behind every command of God is God's enablement. God will not command you something without giving you the ability to do it. Now, the ability is found in the Holy Spirit. You shall receive the Holy Spirit. That's God's enablement. And so, whatever God commands you to do, if maybe during this conference, God calls upon you and burns your heart to be a missionary. In some way, some way, involve with missions. And you look at yourself, I can't do that. No, you can't by yourself. But you can with the Lord's help. The one who said go now will enable you to go. In fact, let me show you these examples of this in the Bible. All through the Bible, anytime God called his people to do something, he always said, I'll be with you. Go with me now to Joshua chapter 1. Keep your finger in Matthew. Joshua chapter 1, page 338. That's the sixth book of your Bible. If you start at the very beginning, you got Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, then Joshua, Joshua chapter 1. When you find that, look up here, please. At this time, the leader of Israel, Moses, had died. God raised up a new leader. His name was Joshua. And now God's speaking to Joshua to do, give him what to do, and he made a promise to him. But look in verse 2, please. Joshua 1, 2. He said to Joshua, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, rise. What's the next word say? Go. Go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto a land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Now, the land was the promised land, the land beyond the Jordan River. He told them to go. In the land was full of enemies. There was a lot of battle and fighting going on. And Joshua realized that, and he now he said, I want you to go lead my people over there. And notice the promise he made him. Verse 5. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be what? With thee, I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Look in verse 9. Have I not commanded thee? Be strong, be of good courage, be not afraid. Neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thy goest. The same promise he makes to us, he made to Joshua. So many times when God calls us to do something, we look at ourselves become afraid. God says, have I not commanded you? Be strong, be of good courage, be not afraid. Why? For I am with thee. So with the highest authority that gave us the greatest command, we have an enabling promise. God says, I will be with you. Another great verse will be on the screen. He told the prophet Isaiah, Isaiah 41, 10. Look what he said. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee, yea, I will hold thee with the hand, right hand of my righteousness. So if God calls you during this month to do something with missions, remember that promise. That's a promise. Behind every command of God is the enablement of God. So the Great Commission is this. 
enabled by the Holy Spirit, Christians are to take the gospel of Jesus Christ to the ends of the earth with the promise that he will always be with us. So why do we have missions? First of all, because of God's command. Number two, number two, our responsibility. Our responsibility. If we please go with me now to the New Testament, to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, please. We're going to look at our responsibility in two areas, personally and also corporately. Personally, individually. What is my individual responsibility as a Christian concerning missions? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18, please. First of all, in verse 18, we see that God has given us a ministry. By the way, do you have a ministry? Well, Pastor, I think of, ministry, I think of the nursery, I think of Awana, I think of Blast, I think of the choir. I don't have a ministry. I'm not involved with them. Yes, you do. It's a ministry that God himself has given to you. In verse 18, speaking to believers, look what he said. He said, and all things are of God who hath reconciled us, to us as believers, to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of what? Reconciliation. That's the ministry of bringing people to Christ. So as a Christian, you have a ministry. It was given to you by God himself. And those of you that have been reconciled, that are saved, trusted Christ as Savior, God has given you a ministry of telling others how to be reconciled to God. That's a ministry. Next, in verse 19, we have God has committed to us a message. Not only has given us a ministry, God has committed to us a message. Look in verse 19. To wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and read on, and hath committed unto us, us believers, the word of reconciliation. So as a Christian, those who've been reconciled, God has given you a ministry, but now has committed you a message. What's the, by the way, what is the word of reconciliation? The gospel, <laughs> the good news of Christ, the message that when people believe, they're reconciled to God. So as an individual believer, if you're saved, God himself has given you a ministry of reconciliation and has committed unto you the word of reconciliation, the gospel message. Because of that, number three, God has made us his personal representatives. God has made us, as Christians, made us his personal recognition. Excuse me, personal represent, representatives. Verse 20, please. He says, now then, now then, he's given us a ministry. Now then, he's committed to us a message. Now then, we are what? Ambassadors <clears throat> For Christ, as though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be reconciled to God. What is an ambassador, by the way? Ambassador is a man who served as a representative of a king from another one country to another. As believers, the Bible said this world is not our home. Our citizenship is where? In heaven. We're just passing through. But God has left you here with a ministry, He's left you here with a message as his personal representative. Wherever your neighborhood is, in that neighborhood, you are there as a representative of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
with a ministry and a message. Believers are a messenger representing the king of heaven with a gospel who pleads with the people of the world to be reconciled to God. And that verse 20 has two things the believer is. First of all, he says, verse 20, God did beseech you by us. In other words, God is beseeching the world through you and I. Listen to that, please. <clears throat> you are God's mouthpiece. You are God's spokesman. And God wants to beseech the world, beg and implore the world, beg the world to come to Christ, be reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. That's the ministry. Then he goes on to say, we pray you in Christ's stead. You are here in the stead of Jesus Christ. Wherever you're at, your neighborhood, wherever you work, you're there in Christ's stead. With a ministry, with a message, as God's representative to tell them how to be saved. That is our responsibility personally. But how about corporately? That's a big word. As a group, as a body of Christ, as a church, listen please, as a group, we can do so much more <clears throat> together than we can individually. Listen carefully. Last year, this church committed $234,000 to missions, which enables us to support 36 missionaries at $400 a month apiece. Boy, I don't know any one of you can do that individually. But look what we can do corporately. When we all have part in this, next Sunday, in your bulletin, you will have what we call the faith promise card. The faith, we want you to hold on to that for the following week. The last Sunday of the month, we have the faith promise Sunday. So when we give you the card one, one week ahead of time and use it as a, to a prayer reminder, I want you to pray and ask God what part he would have you have in helping us to reach our world for Christ and what he wants you to give towards missions. So use the card that will be in your... Uh, bulletin next week, to pray. Then the last Sunday of the month, we have our Faith Promise Sunday. We want you to come, and on that card, you will write down how much God's laid in your heart to give towards missions. But what we can do individually may not be much, but corporately, my friend, it adds up, and we can do a lot together. So we saw, why, why do we have missions? Because of God's command. Why do we have missions? Because of our responsibility. Why do we have missions? Lastly, our accountability. Our accountability. Go with me now to 1 Thessalonians chapter. In fact, don't need to go to that. It's on the screen. <laughs> First of all, our accountability. We have been entrusted with the gospel. We have been entrusted with the gospel. Look on the screen, that verse there. I put the verses that probably you're most familiar with. Paul said, but as we, he didn't say as me. He didn't say as you, we, he, himself and all believers. This includes you and I. As we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God, which trieth our hearts. What an amazing verse. First of all, he said, as we were allowed do you know God has allowed you to share the gospel? What a privilege. Now think about this. Many times God does something I don't understand. In fact, I, if I was God, I'd do something different. <laughs> and one thing he does I don't understand, he's committed the gospel to those 
Many of them never say a word. Some of you have never told someone about Jesus Christ. They've never tried to witness someone. Many of you have. But sometimes we are so unfaithful. By the way, based upon what you've done for Christ and given the gospel, would you have committed the message to you? You say, oh, <laughs> probably not. I'm not too good at it. However, God's allowed you. You know, God could have gave it to angels, and they would have obeyed. They would have went through the world and shared the gospel, but he committed it to you. He could have put it in the clouds. You ever thought about that? You go outside and see John 3, 16. Every day, he's up there. He could do that. By the way, he could have put the gospel, he could have had every leaf on the tree a gospel track. Turn a leaf over and tell you how to go to heaven. And by the way, I got thousands of them in my yard. <laughs> I have several oak trees that are all over the place. He could have did that. But he has limited himself to you. You are God's spokesman. He's in trust. But as you have been allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, are you trustworthy? Boy, I'm so grateful for people in this church that I know are very trustworthy. Sometimes not kind of the gospel. I ask them to do something, and they say they'll do it. I can bank on it. I don't have to worry about it. It's done because they're trustworthy. But others, I have to follow up on it, follow up on it, follow up on it, because I don't know if they're going to do it or not. How about the gospel? Are you trustworthy? Now, if you would please, this is not in your notes. This is something the Lord gave me this morning and, and reviewing this. Hold your finger right here. Go with me now to Proverbs. Proverbs 25. Proverbs 25. In fact, that's not even in my notes. I've got to turn myself there. Proverbs 25. If you open your Bible right in the middle, it usually falls to the book of Psalms, Proverbs 25, page 957, if you're using a church Bible. Proverbs 25, verse 19. Proverbs 25, 19. Look what it says here. It says, confidence in and what? Unfaithful man in the time of trouble is like a broken tooth and a foot at a joint. <laughs> I don't know about you, I, I love steak. Anytime I got a good steak in front of me, I say, teeth don't fail me now. <laughs> I'm going to get into this. But you've got a, a, a tooth that broke and try to eat with it. How about a foot at a joint? I, I can remember one time, in fact, a, a, another guy in the church and I were, were out visiting. We went to a house to knock on the door, and we noticed in the window of the bedroom, not the main room, there was a dog in there. And we know it was a big dog by how he sounded. He sounded mean. All of a sudden, we saw his head in the window. It had a screen there. It was a Rottweiler. It looked like he eat Christians for lunch. I mean, he was, <laughs> he was mean looking. Had a head <laughs> this big. So we knocked on the door, and the lady came to the door, and while we're talking to her, the dog kept barking. All of a sudden, the dog ripped right through the screen and come out and run after us. And we, I looked the same way you're looking at me now. We ran. And I jumped up on top of the car on the roof. And I outrun my friend, and the dog bit him in the thigh. But my thought was, I run feet, don't fail me now. And by, by the way, and it, talking about a foot at a joint. Listen to me, Christian. So many of us come to the gospel, we have broken teeth. We have a foot out of joint. We're so unfaithful. 
And confidence in an unfaithful man is like that broken tooth and a foot out of joint. What kind of Christian are you? Are you trustworthy? I pray that you are. Now go back, please. Back to where we were before. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, Paul said, As we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak. The gospel is something you share verbally. In 1 Timothy 1.11, Paul said this, According to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed to my trust. That's true of you. How trustworthy of you. So we, our accountability, we have been entrusted with the gospel. Next, we have a duty to share it. As believers, we've been committed with the most wonderful news of all the world, the gospel, and now we have a duty to share it. Go with me now to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, page 1611. Page 1611, 1 Corinthians 9. As believers, we have a duty before God to share the message he's entrusted to us. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 16. Paul said, but the, for though I preach the gospel, the word preach means proclaim or declare the message of salvation, I have nothing to glory of, of for necessities laid upon me. Yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. Basically, what he's saying here when he said, I have nothing to glory of, basically, Paul is saying, I, have, I preach the gospel, but not out of personal pride or personal glory, but from divine constraint. I'm constrained of God to fulfill what he told me to do. The word necessity there, necessity laid upon me, it means duty constraint. The duty constraint upon the apostle Paul, my friend, is also upon you. Uh, every believer has the duty to share the gospel. But notice this next part. This is an eye-opener to me. He said, though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of for necessity, duty, constraint laid upon me. Woe! Woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. What does that mean? Now, that word woe mainly is used in the gospel. I think in Matthew chapter 23, Jesus speaking to the Pharisees. Eight times, and woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites! The word woe means judgment. As a believer, I've been given the greatest message of all the world, a message of ministry, and because of my responsibility, I'm now accountable to God. And Paul said, though I preach the gospel, for necessarily upon me, he said, whoa, if I don't do that, that's true of you. Judgment's upon us if we don't. We're held accountable to God if we don't share the message. Go look in verse 17, please. For if I do this thing willingly, what thing? Share the gospel. If I do it willingly, I have a what? I believe some of the greatest rewards in heaven will be those that were faithfully sharing the gospel. Not necessarily those how many led to Christ, though that, that's good. Just faithful sharing the gospel. Sometimes people won't listen. They won't hear. They're rejected. That's not your responsibility. Your responsibility is just simply tell them. If I preach the gospel, I have a reward. But read on. If I do this thing willingly, I have a reward. But if against my will, a dispensation of the gospel is committed to me. What does it mean against my will? I don't want to do it. I'm not willing. That's not my personality. I'm not outgoing. I can't speak well. 
And we have all kinds of excuses why we don't do it. I'm not willing. However, please listen. You're still responsible. If against my will, a dispensation of the gospel is committed to me. The word dispensation means a management, oversight, stewardship. You know, the Bible would talk about stewardship, that we're oversight seniors of somebody else's property. The gospel is the property of the Lord. And he's committed to us, and we are stewards of the gospel. Do not turn there, but 1 Corinthians 4, verse 1, Paul said, let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. What are the mysteries of God? There are many of them, but listen to this one. In Ephesians 6, 19, Paul said this. He asked people to pray for him. He said, pray for me that I may open my mouth boldly and make known the mystery of the gospel. So we're all stewards of the mystery of the gospel. And what's required of me as a steward? More is required stewards to be a man be found faithful. Are you faithful? Are you faithful? We should be because we've been entrusted with a message. We have a duty to share. And lastly, we have an obligation to proclaim it. We have an obligation to proclaim it. Romans chapter 1, please. Romans chapter 1. This verse and one more and we will be done this morning. Romans 1, page 1581. Your page is getting quiet on me. Turn with me, please. I'm about done. You said, Pastor, I just found the last verse. <laughs> and now you're turning to another one. But anyway, Romans chapter 1. Page 1581, again, for those using the church Bible. Look what he, Paul said in verse 14. Romans 1, 14. Paul said, I am a what? A debtor, both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. What is a debtor? In this case, a debtor is one who owes another. One held by some obligation or bound by some duty. You know, when I think of what Jesus Christ did for me, as a sinner, I deserve to go to hell. I deserve the wrath, anger, the judgment of Almighty God, and so do you. But God gave me mercy. He gave me grace. He gave me forgiveness as a free gift. I don't know about you, though that cost me nothing, I, I feel I'm indebted to God. I owe him for all he did for me. And Paul said, I'm a debtor. I'm held by some obligation. Therefore, in verse 50, verse 15, excuse me, we saw 14. And look at the first word. It says, so, because I am a debtor, so as much as is in me, as in me is, excuse me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are in Rome also. What does it mean, as much as in me? Look up here, please. All of us have different abilities. Some of us, we just love talking. Or we have no strangers. We talk to everybody. It just comes naturally. Other of us are shy and backward, and we're not comfortable doing that. But what he's saying here, as much as in me, what he means, to the best of my ability, whatever that ability is, as much as in me, I'm ready to preach the gospel. Ready means willing. So whatever ability God's given you, all he wants for you to be willing to be willing to share the gospel. And God's looking for somebody to do that today. Christian, we saw 
God's command, given to us by the highest authority. Then we saw our responsibility, how each of us as individuals are responsible to share the gospel, not only individually, but also corporately as a body of Christ. Then we talked about accountability. One day, each of us will stand before the Lord and give an account to what we did, what God's entrusted to us. I encourage you to do that. So why do we have Missions Month? Why do we set aside four weeks of the year to focus on missions? Because of God's command, because we're responsible to fulfill that command, and because we are one day be held accountable. Lastly, now we'll close with this. Go to John chapter 3. John 3, and this is probably a verse all of you know, probably could quote. John 3, page 1486, and we'll wrap it up with this. Here's probably the most popular verse in all the Bible, but to me it's some of the greatest news in all the Bible. John chapter 3, look at verse 16. We'll look at verse 16, 17, 18, and we will close. John 3, 16. Many of you know about heart. In fact, can you quote it with me? For what? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. What that verse basically means is this. God loves the world. Who's that? That's us. He loves the world so much that he gave his only begotten son. He gave his son to pay the price of our sin. It is our sin that separates us from God. We're all sinners. We've all sinned against God. And there is a price tag for our sin. The wages of sin is what? Death. But God loved you so much. He doesn't want you to have to pay for your sin. And death there means to be spend eternity in a place called hell. God said, I don't want you to go to hell. I want you to go to heaven. I want you to go to heaven so bad, I'll sacrifice my son for you to get there. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever what? Whosoever goes to church and lives a good life and behaves himself, don't say that. But how often do you hear that? Whosoever believeth and means trusteth in him should not what? Means you will not go to hell, perish in hell, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. But look in verse 18. He that believeth on him, the son, is not condemned. But he that believeth not is what? Condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Close your Bibles with me, please. Verse 18 tells us a truth that very few people realize. He follows up with verse 16, whosoever believeth, whosoever believeth in Christ is not condemned. It means you will not go to hell, you will not pay for your sin, because Christ was condemned in your place. But it goes on to say, but he that believeth not, if you're here today and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, my friend, you're not waiting to be condemned. You are condemned already. You're condemned already. He that believeth in him is not condemned already. Why? Why is a person condemned to hell? Because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. It is our lack of faith, our lack of belief in Christ as our Savior. My friend, 
Salvation is not obtained by you doing something for God. It's not obtained by working or trying or being something or not doing something. It's obtained by believing. Believing in Christ as your Savior. You heard me say so often, salvation is not by doing, but resting upon that which is done. It's not by working, but relying upon what Christ did for us. I found all the work, all that's necessary for you to be saved, as far as any merit or deeds, Jesus did on the cross. He died for you, paid your sin debt, was buried and rose again. And your part is to believe, to receive. But to as many as received him, to them God gave the power of the authority to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on him. So your part's to believe. You say, Pastor, I've trusted Christ. Amen. Now, he wants you to tell others. It was the ball of the gospel passed to you. You received Christ as Savior. Now, don't drop the ball. Tell others. We, that's our responsibility individually, but also as a church. You know, I've been praying as a pastor. God will call someone from First Baptist Church. We saw last week there's a great surplus. Remember that? The harvest is truly what? Plenteous. There's scores of people without Christ. But there's a shortage. The labors are what? Few. But God gave us a solution to the problem. Pray, therefore, the Lord of the harvest, they send forth labors. So I've been praying that God will raise up labors. Not just anywhere, right here. Here at First Baptist. That God will call some of you into the mission field. It may be overseas, it may be right here in the States, maybe in your neighborhood. But you see yourself as a proclaimer of the gospel. It may be right where you're working. That you see yourself as a personal representative of Christ there and speak out for him. Or that God may do that. Let's bow together, please. <clears throat> as our heads are bowed and eyes are closed, this morning I've been speaking to our church people. Not necessarily to preach some new truth. Maybe it might be new to some of you that are fairly new in the faith. But most of you, it's just an important reminder. Be reminded of why we have a month called Missions. Why we focus, take four weeks out of the year and focus on this task that God's given to us to reach the world. It's because of God's command, because of our responsibility and our accountability. Christian, that gospel message has been entrusted to you. How trustworthy have you been? Do you share the gospel? Do you share with others how to be saved? If not, why not renew yourself to that task? That's your responsibility. That's my responsibility. And God wants to use you to do that. If you never had it before, as a believer, why not commit yourself to that responsibility? Why not tell the Lord, Lord, I, I'm saved. I know I'm, heaven's my home. But I didn't realize it's my responsibility to tell others. Or maybe you have realized that, but you haven't done a good job doing it. Why not speak to the Lord in your own heart right now? Talk to him about that issue. So, Lord, I am saved, but I want to be what you want me to be. I want to be a spokesman for you. However, wherever that is, that's between us, up to you. But Lord, I'm just willing to be a servant. I'm just willing to serve you in that manner. I want to be an ambassador for Christ and speaking to others about the Lord Jesus. As heads are bowed and eyes are closed, how many would say, God spoke to me about that this morning?
I'm saved. I know I'm going to heaven. But I have not understood my responsibility. Or I have, but I have not been fulfilling that. And you feel like God's called you this morning to do that. Would you raise your hand so I can pray for you? Anyone here this morning? Yes, yes. God bless you. Yes, yes. So many. Yes, God bless you. As heads are bowed and eyes still closed, my message this morning was for the believer. But maybe you're here today and you've never trusted Christ yourself. You may have not ever understood that good news of Christ, the gospel message, that he loved you so much he sent his son to die for you. And Jesus died for you, was buried and rose again. And if you'd simply believe, receive him as your personal savior, trust him to have eternal life, God will forgive you and give you eternal life. Right now, right where you're sitting. If you never did that before, why not do it now? Why not talk to God? Maybe just say something like this as you talk to him. Just say, dear God of heaven, I acknowledge that I'm a sinner. As a sinner, I've earned, I deserve your punishment. But God, I believe Jesus, your son, was punished in my place. I believe when he died, he died for me, was buried, and I I believe he rose again. And right here this morning, realizing I cannot save myself, I'm trusting Christ to save me, forgive me, and to give me eternal life. I'm trusting Christ as my Savior. As heads are bowed and eyes are closed. My friend, did that make sense to you? Did you just pray with me to receive Christ? If you did, I'd like to pray for you also. So with heads bowed and eyes are closed, so no one would put on the spot. If that made sense to you and you trusted Christ today as your Savior, would you raise your hand so I can pray for you also? Anyone at all? Pastor, here's my hand. I trusted Christ. Would you pray for me? Father in heaven, I hope that means each one here has already made that decision. If that's the case, all of us have been entrusted with the gospel. But so many of us have been like that broken tooth, like that foot out of joint. We've been so unfaithful. Forgive us, Father. The greatest news in all the world has been committed our trust. Help us to be outspoken. Help us to share with others, passing out tracts. Just share with others what Christ has done for us. I pray that those many raise your hand that you call them to do that. Lord, help them. We know we have a command. We also have the promise that you'll be with us. Help us to do the job you call us to do. In Christ's name we pray, amen. God bless you. Thank you for coming.